as we pray for others. Father God, thank you that we can come here this morning and stand before you. Lord, that we can be here and we know that you hear our prayers. Father, thank you that you hear the cries of our heart. You hear those, those prayers we can give voice to and we hear those, you hear those that we don't even want to mutter out loud. Lord, we come to you and we bring you those in our community who are dealing with, with illness. We pray that you will continue to bless and heal both Renee and Ray who have had knee replacements in the last two weeks. We know, Lord, that the road to recovery can be a long one and we just pray that you will guide them on each step of that journey. We pray for others, Lord, who are ill and are recovering. We pray for those that are looking after them. We pray for hospital staff that have the the time and the patience to care for them. We pray, Lord, for Tia, who has been in hospital and is home now, Lord. We just pray that you will continue to guide her and heal her and look after Benny as well. And Lord, we pray for those in our congregation who have experienced loss, those who are still in the throes of grief, and Lord, those who are anticipating that things will not be the same this time next year. We pray that you will be with them, that you will hold them close, and that you will be the one who comforts them. Father, we pray for the families in our church. We pray especially, Lord, for those families who have young ones writing exams at the moment. We know, Lord, the extra pressure it adds on to a household. We pray, Lord, that you will give the parents and the siblings grace for each other. We pray, Lord, that you will give the parents patience. And, Lord, that you will give them a praying heart as they bring their children to you every day. And then, Lord, we pray for our matrix and our other learners that are writing exams and the varsity students. Lord, we know that these times are so stressful, and we just pray that you will bring peace and calm to them, to their hearts. Lord, that you will give them enough peace to study and to focus and to retain what they learn. And, Lord, that you will give them the courage to move forward and face those exam papers knowing that you're sitting right there with them. Lord, we pray for our community. We pray for the schools and the teachers. We pray for the other churches in midstream and for the other Methodist churches in our circuit. And Lord, we pray that your word will find many places where it can be heard in our community. And Lord, we come to you now and we pray for our country. Lord, we know that there are many things wrong, but we also know that there are many things for which we can be grateful. And Father God, as we move into the next season and as elections loom next year, we just pray, Lord, that your children who sit in those places of power will be faithful to you and that your word will be spread, whether it's officially or not, Lord, and that those that are making decisions will be guided by you. And Father, we come to you and we bring you ourselves. We come and we know that we have messed up. Lord, we know we have sinned. We have done things we really shouldn't have done. And we have left undone those things that maybe we should have. And Lord, we come before you and we say that we're sorry. Lord, we know we messed up and we are really, really sorry and we don't want to do it again. And Lord, as we bring that to you, we give you so much thanks and so much gratitude, Lord, because you've given us Jesus. And Jesus, thank you that because of you, we are forgiven for that which we come before you with. And Lord, as we, as we claim that forgiveness, which doesn't make sense, that forgiveness which just feels undeserved, that forgiveness which feels a little bit too easy. We know, Lord, that it comes with your love and your grace, and we're so grateful to, for that. And so, Lord, as we move forward 
into the service and as we move forward into days to come as a church, we just pray that you will continue to guide us and guide us and hold us close. And Lord, as you use Reverend Damien this morning, we just pray that you will bless him and guide his words, that we will hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not going to ask Damien to, have you got a microphone? Awesome, because I don't know how they work. Um, Damien's going to come forward. Thank you. Uh, good morning, Midstream. How's everyone doing? Good. Glad to see everyone this morning. It's nice to be in the house of the Lord. Always nice to worship with the family of God. So friends, our uh, scripture reading for this morning, our one and only scripture reading is Judges chapter 16, verses 15 to 22. I'm sure all of us know the story in one capacity or another. Judges chapter 16, verse 15 to 22 says the following, Then she, meaning Delilah, said to him, Samson, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head. He said, because I have been a Nazarite, dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands, after putting him to sleep on her lap. She called for someone to shave off the seven braids of hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I will go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles they set him to grinding corn in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we trust and we pray that God will bless it to us this morning. This morning, I just want to briefly, but hopefully powerfully share from the theme, what makes you weak? What makes you weak? Growing up, my dream was always to be a professional soccer player. That was my dream. That was my ambition, that was my vision and my mission for life. And I remember about 12 years ago playing in a soccer match. I received the ball and my body turned one way, but my left leg stayed in a straight position. And so as I turned and twisted, I knew that I had received a bad injury because I heard that popping sound in my left knee. I got stretched off the field, ended up going to a surgeon and he said, we need to do an MRI scan to find out what's wrong with your knee. The MRI scan revealed that I had torn something called the meniscus in my left knee. The meniscus is a tissue that joins your shin bone to your thigh bone. And then the surgeon said, we are unfortunately gonna have to do an operation 
which means that you're probably going to not be able to play soccer for about eight months. We did the operation and he said after two months of being off of my crutches, I had to go and see a physiotherapist because the muscles in my left leg had become so weak that a physiotherapist had to strengthen me so that I could get back to running and playing soccer again. And after about three months of physiotherapy, I thought that I was fine. I could run again, I could kick the ball again, I could walk properly, I could turn properly. And so prematurely, I went back to playing soccer. And you know what happened three months later? I tore my meniscus again. The exact same thing happened, stretched it off the field, sent to a surgeon, MRI scan revealed that the meniscus had been torn again. I went back to the physiotherapist who helped me in the first place whom I had prematurely left. And she then looked at me and she said, Damien, one of the biggest mistakes that you made was to prematurely go back to playing soccer until we had completed the physiotherapy. I then asked her, but why? I could walk properly, I could run properly, I could kick a ball, it felt like I was fine, I was healthy, and I was fit. She then said to me, it doesn't matter how strong you felt, it was unwill your unwillingness to deal with the weakness on one side of your body that prevented you from rising above the injury that you occurred on the left side of your leg. She said, it doesn't matter how strong you felt on your right side, the fact that you were unable and unwilling to deal with the weakness on your left side meant that you weren't able to live up to the potential that your body could produce. For some people who think that I'm still talking about my leg, allow me to transition and talk about life. Friends, can I remind you that you will never reach the potential or the ceiling that God has set for you unless you are willing to deal with the area of weakness in your life. That no matter how strong you are in one area, your unwillingness to deal and confront with the weakness in the other areas of your life will often handicap you from becoming all that God has called, created, and commissioned you to be. Friends, all of us know someone who was gifted like no one else had been gifted before, but their unwillingness to grab hold of their weakness meant that their weakness grabbed a hold of them and prevented them from becoming all that God had called them to be. All of us know someone who has been gifted with great strength, great ability, great anointing, who are unwilling to confront and face the weaknesses in their lives and therefore never became everything that God had visioned and envisioned for them to be. And if you don't know someone like that, allow me to reintroduce you to a biblical character that you most likely had read about in Sunday school. Allow me to give you the biography of Samson. Samson is raised by a man from the tribe of Dan and his name is Manoah. Manoah is married to a woman whose name we are not given, but something that we do know about Manoah and his wife is that they are struggling to conceive. They are infertile. And so Manoah's wife pleads and prays to God, asking for God to give her a son so that she can no longer be infertile and barren. God answers and God appears in an angelic vision and says to Manoah's wife that she will give birth to a son, but that there will be special conditions placed upon the son's life that this son is to be named Samson and he will be set apart as a Nazarite. In other words, there are some things that Samson can do and some things that Samson cannot do. Allow me to refresh and rejog your mind. Numbers chapter 6 reminds us that a Nazarite had three rules placed upon his life. The first rule upon a Nazarite's life was that a Nazarite was not allowed to touch a dead body. The second rule upon a Nazarite's life was that he was not allowed to drink any alcohol. Someone touch their neighbor and say, thank God I'm not a Nazarite. 
The third rule, though, was that a Nazarite was not allowed to shave their hair. Allow me to remind you, because this is going to be a quiz later in the sermon. Firstly, no touching of dead bodies. Secondly, no Hennessy, no Heineken, no Budweiser, no Black Label, no tequila, and no gin. And thirdly, no shaving of his head. And Samson is set apart for the specific assignment as a Nazarite because he is given supernatural strength. He is stronger than any other human in Israel's history. In actual fact, he is so strong that God calls and commissions him to lead the armies of Israel against their enemies, the Philistines. The Philistines have been a thorn in the side of the Israelite nation for as long as they can remember. And so God says, I'm going to raise someone by the name of Samson who will be a Nazarite. And his strength will abide on him in such an extent that he will overcome and defeat their fierce armies and fierce enemies called the Philistines. And that's exactly what happened. Samson is that biblical character who kills a lion with his bare hands. Samson is that biblical character who through his strength overcomes the armies of Ashkelon. In actual fact, Samson is so strong that he uses one jawbone to kill a thousand Philistines. And the Philistines get fed up with Samson. They say, there's something we've got to do about Samson. They then begin to discover that despite Samson's strength, there is one weakness that Samson has. Woman. Samson struggles when it comes to the temptation of the power that woman has in his life. This is what the Philistines begin to discover. That what a thousand men could not do, it took one woman to do. Is there a feminine amen in the church this morning? That sometimes for some of us as men, our weakness often lies in that feminine energy and that feminine reality. And Samson, as a result of his weakness of woman, he meets and he's lulled into temptation by a woman by the name of Delilah. Friends, and I remind you that there are two biblical names that you should never give your daughter. Delilah and Jezebel. Delilah. Delilah. Delilah asks Samson three times, what is the source of your strength? And three times Samson lies. Samson knows that Delilah is up to no good. But because he's so in love and infatuated with Delilah, he continues to give in to her request and her command. My question though is, how is it possible that Samson, who is given unprecedented strength, never lives up to the potential that God has called him to? How is it possible that this Samson, who kills a thousand Philistines with one jawbone of a donkey, never becomes everything that God has envisioned and visioned for him to be? How is it that Samson falls at hurdle after hurdle when God calls him to greater and higher heights? This morning, I'd like to suggest that there are four areas of weakness that Samson refuses to get a hold of. That if we likewise are unwilling to confront and challenge in our own lives, will prevent us from becoming everything that God has called us to be. Can I lay those four areas of weakness in Samson's life on you so that you can know and confront those areas of weakness in your own life? The first area of weakness that Samson struggles with is that he becomes so infatuated with Delilah that she has him focused and fixated on feelings to such an extent that he ignores the facts. He becomes so fixated and focused on feelings that he ignores the facts. Watch the text with me. In the text that we have read, a couple of verses, if we would rewind, Delilah asked Samson three times, what is the source of your strength? The first time Samson said, well, if you braid my hair, my strength will leave me. She braids his hair. 
She calls him out in the middle of the night and says, Samson, the Philistines are around you. And he then gets up and he uses his strength to defeat them. Secondly, he says to Delilah, not only if you braid my hair, but also if you tie me with rope, I will lose my strength. She ties him with rope and therefore the Philistines surround the living area and she calls out and says, Samson, the Philistines are here. And then the third time, Samson says, well, if you just cut the ends of my hair, my strength will leave me. What does she do? She cuts the end of his hair and Philistines once again surround the living area. And therefore she calls out, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are here. And he defeats them in his strength. Friends, three times, Delilah does exactly that, which is meant to take Samson's strength away. So my question then is, why would Samson a fourth time be honest and open about where his strength lies? when he knows that this Delilah is up to no good. Can I tell you why? Because Delilah has moved him from seeing the facts that stand in front of him to thinking about the feelings of desire that exist within him. Friends, can I remind you that there is nothing more that will hinder the progress of a saint in Christ than those who are focused on their feelings at the expense of fact. Oof. This is a powerful word for some of us. That feelings may make us human, Feelings are not a sign and a symbol of weakness, but feelings can no longer be the navigator. Feelings can no longer be the primary reason and way in which we make decisions about our life. Now, friends, when you are fixated on feelings at the expense of focusing on facts, can I remind you something? That God in throughout scripture never ever reveals his will through feelings. God will speak through the written word. God will give us a nudging through the Holy Spirit. God will speak to us through prophetic signs and wonders and miracles, but God never ever reveals his will for our life through our feelings. Can I tell you? You will drown in a sea of feelings if you don't have a fact to be anchored in. Friends, can I remind you that sometimes the desires that we have is the greatest enemy of discernment. You can want something so bad and for so long that you will ignore the reality and the facts that stand in front of you and go with your feelings and be led away from God's will for your life. Biggest damage that's done in our life is not the lies that other people tell us, but the lies that we tell ourselves. The truth that stares us in the face and we choose to turn away the facts that confront us and we choose to ignore them, the leading and the prompting of God that we turn away from because it's not beneficial to our feelings and our desires. And so friends, can I maybe inject you with a dose of fact this morning? For those of us who feel like we can't make it through, can I remind you of the fact that weeping endures for an evening, but joy comes in the morning? For those of us who feel like our financial difficulty is not where it's meant to be, can I inject you with the fact that all things work together for the good of those who love God? For those of us who are going through difficult times where we have relational issues or mourning and grief, can I remind you that when you feel like you can't make it through, that the Lord says, in fact, I am the shepherd and I will gather and take you through the valley of the shadow of death. Friends, when we are fixated on feelings at the expense of fact, we will always be led astray. That's the first area of weakness that Samson has to confront and challenge in his life. Can I give you the second area? Not only is Samson fixated on feelings at the expense of focusing on fact, but watch this, 
Samson perverts the purpose of his power for personal pleasure. Can I repeat that? Samson perverts the purpose of his power for personal pleasure. Watch this. Samson never ever leads an army of Israel against the Philistines. Even though he's as strong as he can be, destroys the army of Ashkelon on his own, kills a lion with his bare hands, uses a jawbone to kill a thousand Philistines. There is not one record from Judges 13 to Judges 16 where, Philist, where, where Samson ever takes hold of a battalion. He never becomes a general. He never leads the Israelites into army and into battle against the Philistines. Can I tell you why? Because every time that you see Samson, he's venturing into the territory of the Philistines to do the following, to party, to play, and to look for women. He uses his strength to party, to play, and to look for women. God had set him aside with his strength for a specific purpose and for a specific plan. But instead, he distorts and disuses that gift for his own personal pleasure. And can I remind you about the Christian life? That each and every one of us have a calling placed upon us by God, not for our own personal pleasure and advancement, but always to bless the person next to us. Whatever God gives you, God wants to give through you to the next person. Whatever God gifts you with, God is going to give you a heart of generosity for the person that sits next to you. God gives you 10 rand, maybe God calls you to give one rand to that person in need. If God gives you a word of grace and of generosity that comes from God, maybe your calling is to encourage those who need it most. And so, Samson realizes the following, that whenever he ventures into Philistine territory, the Philistines don't like him, but they no longer fear him. Can I tell you why? Because whenever we see Samson, he's on his own. He has no friends, no army ever trusts him, no people from the Israelite nation ever follow him. And so the Philistines recognize he may be strong, but because he's used the purpose of his power for personal pleasure, there are no people who will follow his leadership. Friends, can I remind you that the criteria for life is whether your name is on the roll and the roster of blessing and benefiting the lives of those around you. Doesn't matter how much money you have, how many degrees you have hanged up on the wall. It doesn't matter how popular, prestigious, or powerful you are. The criteria for life is the impact and the influence we've had on the lives of those around us. How are you using the gifting and the anointing that God has placed upon your life? That's the second area of weakness that Samson struggles with. The third area that I want to focus on is that not only is Samson focused on feelings at the expense of fact, not only does he pervert the purpose of his power for personal pleasure, but watch this. He is seduced into an area of success or into an area of self-sufficiency by his past success. I want to know, what did Delilah do to make Samson fall asleep in his lap? Nobody else? Okay. Guess it's just me. But scholars tell us that when Samson is lying in Delilah's lap, Samson is approximately 20 years old. Now you've got to remember, a Nazarite was not allowed to shave his head for the entirety of his life. You can imagine, 20 years of hair growth, growing on top of Samson's head, he knows the length of his hair. And you know what Delilah does? She doesn't just cut his hair. No, no, she calls someone else in to shave his hair. Are you telling me that by the time that Samson wakes up, 
that he is not aware that his head has been shaven. Well, there's some woman in here, when you go to the salon, you know when they've cut off just a bit too much. Huh? You know them when they've just trimmed a bit too much off the top. Are you telling me that Samson, with 20 years of hair growth, that can be braided into seven parts, is unable to realize and recognize that when he wakes up, that his hair has been shaved off completely. And then the question is, if Samson knows that his hair has been shaven, why does he then rush into battle and say, I will defeat the Philistines? Can I tell you why? Because Samson has been so seduced by his past success into an area of self-sufficiency. He thinks that because he defeated the armies in the past, that he can do it now. And friends, can I remind you that there are some Christians who think that just because they did it in the past, they can do it again all in their own strength. Are there some Christians in church this morning who can testify and witness to the fact that you are no longer who you are because of who you are, but because of who God's grace has called you to be? That you came through the things that you got through, not because you made it possible, but because God's grace kept and carried you. He is lulled into an area of self-sufficiency because of his success. Can I ask you a powerful question? What are some things that you've become so good at that you no longer ask God for help? What are some things that you become so sufficient and proficient at that you no longer even call on God and pray for God to give you his leading and his guiding? Recognize that when Samson wakes up with a completely shaved head, he doesn't go down on his knees and ask God to help him. He doesn't say, Lord, lead me in the next battle. He just simply goes out thinking that he is strong enough. What are some things that you become so sufficient and self-sufficient at that you think you no longer need God? And watch Samson's words. When he wakes up, this is what he says. I will shake myself free as I have done before. You recognize first person? Personal, singular. I will shake myself free as I have done before. Friends, the question and the decision that lays before each and every Christian is whether we are going to worship the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I, or the holy trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is no in-between. Either you are self-centered or you are Christ-centered and God-centered. And watch this. When your spiritual resume consistently and constantly reads in the first person, me, myself, and I, I got myself through. I followed my own planning. I followed my own strength. I followed my own proficiency. Can I remind you that you will always be spiritually bankrupt at the end of the day? Those saints who are closest and most intimate with God know the source of their strength as God alone. I want for, for, for me to illustrate this. Um, when I went to go study uh, at the seminary in Peter Marisburg, at Seth Mokotimi Methodist Seminary, on the first day we had something called a debrief from the academic dean. And she said to us, when you come to the seminary, we're going to make sure in our strength that each and every one of you will graduate this place with a degree in theology. All of us were happy. And she said, if you fail the test, we'll make sure that you get a second opportunity. If there's an assignment that you struggled with, we'll make sure that you get another opportunity to improve on your mark. She then said, but there's one thing that we cannot allow within the academy. There's one area of non-academics that we cannot allow you to get away with. Someone put up their hands and they said, well, what's that? She said, one thing that we cannot allow you as students to get away with is something called plagiarism. Someone else stuck up their hand and said, well, 
Dean, what exactly is plagiarism? She said, plagiarism is when you take information from someone else and present it as your own. It's when you basically trick people into believing that the assignment that you've written comes from yourself when in actual fact it comes from another source. Friends, can I remind you of the highest crime of the kingdom of God? It is when we go through some things and think that we've made it on our own. It's when we go through some stuff and think that we've made it in our own power, our own strength, our own intellect, and our own intelligence. She then said, the way in which we combat plagiarism is that when you've used a quote from someone else or information from someone else, you put a small note in your notes and leave a footnote at the bottom of the page indicating where you got the information from. Friends, can I remind you as Christians, we are at our most powerful when we become footnoting Christians. That whatever I made it through, it was because of God. Whatever I've received, it's because of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We need to become footnoting Christians who don't become self-sufficient because of our past success. Just because you've been successful in the past does not mean that God will always journey with you in the future. True. That's powerful. And recognize that at the end of chapter 16, we hear one of the most tragic verses in all of Scripture, that God had left Samson and he wasn't even aware of it. When we become so self-sufficient, we are unable to discern where God is and isn't at work in our life. This is why it's quite applicable that the Philistines gouge his eyes out because he was blind long before they even took his eyes out. He was blind to where God was and where God's, God wasn't long before they took his eyes. So, focused on feelings, not fact. Perverting the purpose of his power for personal pleasure. Secondly, or thirdly, becoming self-sufficient because of past success. And finally, allow me to give you the fourth and the final area of weakness that Samson struggled with and that we might need to address and confront in our own lives. He cites a strange source for his strength. Can I mess someone's Sunday school theology up quickly? Delilah asks him, where does your strength come from? And he says, my hair. Really, Samson, your hair? Does your strength really lie in your hair? Are you telling me that your strength lies in your hair? Friends, I'd like to question and I'd like to debate that theological assertion. That Samson's strength was never in his hair to begin with. In actual fact, if he knew that his hair was cut off, why would he go into battle if he knew that his strength was in his hair? The reason why many of us think that Samson's strength lay in his hair is because we use something called the process of elimination. Remember I told you, here comes the quiz, what are the three things that a Nazarite can't do? Can't touch a dead body, can't drink alcohol, and he's not allowed to have his head shaven, right? Well, from Judges 13, we remember that Samson attended a wedding that lasted seven days. Culturally, they would always participate and receive wine at a wedding ceremony in Jewish culture. Secondly, we remember that Samson kills a lion with his bare hands and then goes back later because he discovers that there's, there's honey lying in the carcass of the lion. So he touches a dead carcass. So when he drinks wine, his strength doesn't leave him. When he touches a dead body, his strength doesn't leave him. The question then is, how does his strength not leave him when he goes against the command of rule number one and rule number two? Can I tell you why? 
It's because God's mercy kept him despite his disobedience. Well, there's some people here who can testify and be joyful that despite the fact of us going in the direction that God did not want us to go in, God still kept us. That despite us sowing seeds of sin, God still reminded us and kept us in his grace. Then the question is, well, if he cuts his hair, surely he wouldn't lose his strength as well. Now watch the flow of the text. Samson thinks that his strength is in his hair. Because the question is, how does Samson lose his strength when he has his hair shaven and cut? Recognize that each and every time when Samson goes into battle, this verse precedes it. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. When he defeats the army of Ashkelon, preceding it, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. When he kills the lion with bare hands, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. When he defeats a thousand Philistines, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Can I remind you and maybe challenge you and tell you that Samson's strength was never in his head, but always in the Spirit of God? And so the question then is, how is it that Samson loses his strength when his hair is shaven? Very simply and very profoundly, because Samson thinks that his strength is in his hair. Friends, wherever you think your strength lies, when that thing is ripped out from your life, you will think that your strength has left you. So watch what Samson does. He lays his head full of hair in the lap of a Delilah who he knows is deceiving. In other words, he lays the source of his strength which he thinks is his strength, in the lap of Delilah. Can I give you a profound truth in this? That whatever you think your strength is, and you bring it within the proximity of people who can take it away from you, your strength will be ripped out from your life. If you think that your strength is in your finances, just go through financial crisis and difficulty, and your strength will leave you. If you think that your strength is in that relationship, just watch until they walk away and break your heart, and your strength will leave you. If you think your strength is in your power, your prominence, and your position in life, just watch for life to change and the position to be ripped out from under you and your strength will leave you. Friends, the powerful thing about the gospel is that our strength does not lie in who we are or what we have, but our strength lies in the God who has us. Samson has faultly and falsely believed that his strength lies in his head. Nowhere from Judges 13 to Judges 16 does the text ever say that God tells Samson that his strength is in his head. Friends, where does your strength lie? Is it in something that life can rip away in an instant? Or does your strength lie in the God who has called you and commissioned you? And so, as we wrestle with those areas of weakness, where do you need to shift your focus from feeling to fact? Where do you need to use your purpose and your calling, not for personal pleasure, but for blessing those around you? Where have you used and allowed success to lull you and seduce you into an area of self-sufficiency? And finally, what do you cite as the source of your strength? I trust and I pray that the sermon has challenged you and blessed you, but also comforted you and called you to greater heights in Christ. Amen. Shall we, shall we pray? Father, 
vir die goedheid, die gins en die genade. Lord, this morning we simply want to come giving you thanks for your goodness, your grace and your generosity towards us. That maybe as we look at the life of Samson, there are some areas of weakness that we need to confront and challenge and call out in our own lives. Lord, we remember in this moment that your grace is always sufficient. In Susutu, we would say, It is by grace, Lord, that we live and move and have our being. And so, Lord, we pray that as your Spirit teaches and touches and transforms us, that we would be able to become everything that you have envisioned and visioned for us to be. Lord, we pray your blessing upon Midstream Methodist Church. We pray your growth. We pray the moving of your spirit to lead and guide this congregation into the future. We pray, Lord, that you would be able to do whatever you seek to do within the hearts, the minds, the souls, and the spirit of those who call this place their spiritual home. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We honor you. Mudimu ki mudimu. Lord, you remain God. And so, Lord, we pray and we ask for these things, not because we are deserving, but simply because your grace has kept and called us to this point and to this place. And in Anthonus, Yere Jesus Christus, in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Kalibitsula Jesu Christe. Amen.